This is Faber College in 1962. You know, 1962 had to be the best year of my life. I was a member of Delta Tau Chi. The Deltas, what a great bunch of guys. Pluto, Hoover, Pinto, Flounder. Flounder? D-Day. Boone. It's not gonna be an orgy. It's a toga party. And look at me in 62, the otter. School was fun in those days. The girls, the parties, the friendships. The girls, of course we had our problems. Find me a way to revoke Delta's charter. You're out, finished at favor, expelled. I want you off this campus at nine o'clock Monday morning. National Lampoon's Animal House, starring John Belushi, Tim Matheson. Would you go out with me? And Donald Sutherland as Jennings. Now, is Milton saying being bad is more fun than being good? National Lampoon's Animal House. Everybody's talking about the Picard trailer. <laughs> so we're doing an episode on Animal House. <laughs> it was about time. <laughs> we were waiting for the Picard trailer launch to yeah. do Animal House. And by, we're live from Comic-Con. Yeah. It's, uh, we had to put ourselves in a soundproof booth. Mm-hmm. There is too big of a crowd. Security's pushing away. Yeah. But we're in a glass booth mounted... 20 feet above the crowds yeah. right outside Comic-Con. It's like an MTV show going on right now. There's crowds. People, it's like TRL. It's TRL for us. But So people are loving it. We're just waving to everybody. Everyone's yeah. waving hey back. Guys. They've got signs. Yep. We're, we're, we're rolling up here. We love Comic-Con and we love movies. This kind of feels like your office back at Recon Cinema Studios. Uh, how so? Well, yours is like a tower that in the <laughs> yeah. dead center of the lot uh-huh. that over a glass tower uh-huh. that overlooks the entire uh, 50, 50 acres, 50 acre you? lot that we have. <laughs> Gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. No, everything's it's all glass, glass tower, glass walls, glass bathroom, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to miss a thing. And that is how I survey. Well, look, we don't often talk about it, but we actually produce many projects. We have hundreds of projects of different scales going on at all times at Recon Cinema Studios. Yeah. We don't like to talk about those. Someone else, we have a marketing department. That, so we're not going to get into it. Yeah. We won't, we won't uh, get into those projects. Right. We like to talk about other people's projects, Yeah. which is what we do on this show. Yeah. Welcome to Reconsinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And we are, are uh, taking a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s to see how do they hold up today. That sounds like a fun adventure. It, it sure is. Kind and of like Picard going on his <laughs> new adventures. That's we, the hot thing. That's yeah. what everyone's talking about here at Comic-Con 2019. Picard. Picard. 
So this week, we're taking a look at National Lampoon's Animal House. Ooh. That's what we've got. That's right. There's a lot of cosplay going on from characters from the movie. Yeah, everybody down there, I'm pointing at them outside the booth. I see a Bluto. Mm -hmm. Two Blutos. There's Otter right over there. There's so many Otters every year at Comic-Con. It's like, it's Luke Skywalker and and Otter. (laughs) (laughs) Every year. Because I go every year. (laughs) You go every year. Yeah, that's the top two. (laughs) Bluto's like six or seven. Six, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Boone's pretty high up there. Mm Mm-hmm. Easily recognizable. Uh, so yeah, so we're talking about Animal House, and uh, God, what a what an interesting movie this is. I haven't watched it in a while. You watched it recently. We watched right? it recently, but prior to that, I yeah. hadn't watched it in a while, and it was uh, boy, how times have changed. I'll say, yeah, no, I haven't <laughs> seen it in a while either, and um, it is it is one I'd seen, I think a, a lot, if not you know, not always all the way through, but it's like watching the first half, watching the middle. Watching the end, a lot of it is on was on cable, too. So you you still get a, like a sanitized version. But Animal House for me was always like a thing that just existed. It yeah. was always around. I, I couldn't tell you when the, I first saw it. I mean, it was it's it's I saw it before I could like form memories. Probably, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it was just gonna be on the television. Um, it was always a presence. It was always you know, especially through the eighties, Belushi had passed away, which we'll get into later, but. Uh, it was always a marketing, you know, there's always some kind of marketing around it. Um, mm-hmm. There was always, I always remember the poster of him with the college shirt. Sure. Like, huge, you know, that was kind of all over the place. Um, when we were in college, uh, people had that college poster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it, you go into a Spencer's Gifts, you're going to see Belushi in the college. You're gonna, there's a lot of Belushi in Spencer's. <laughs> Miss that store. That's gone, right? I don't think so. Spencer? No, it's still going. Spencer's still around? Spencer's gifts? Well, after 100 to we, 1. After let's... we get through this crowd at Comic-Con, let's let's hit it up. Well, let's go to the mall. But I bet you're right. It does have a, a Bluto poster, yeah. I'm sure, in there. You know what's funny is how Spencer's gifts always had the same smell. There was always like a latexy, mm-hmm. powdery, I don't know, it just aura and well, go, it was the gifts. It, it, it was, was all the gifts. gifts. <laughs> it was all the disgusting gifts. <laughs> but you can go to any Spencer's gifts in any mall, yeah. and it would all smell the same. Yeah. Uh, the Spencer's odor. Yeah. Let's they go, should. guys. <laughs> let's get after after the Comic Con party. Yeah. We're going to Spencer's. Uh, but as far as Animal House goes, yeah, it was oh, always right. around. Um, I didn't actually see it. I was, you know, I mentioned before, I grew up a big SNL fan. Uh, especially the early years. Saturday Night Live? Saturday Night Live. Okay, got it. Yeah, that, that's what we know it as. Now it's SNL. They don't call right, it. like KFC. Yeah, K- exactly. <laughs> no one even knows what that stands what for. What does that mean? But uh, I was a big fan of the original cast, and uh, but I hadn't seen Animal House. I think my parents were trying to you know, deflect me from that one. They were like, you can watch Ghostbusters. You can watch... Uh, yeah. They did let me watch Caddyshack, which isn't a hell of a lot different from this. but True. A uh, little bit. Um, I did see it in high school. I had a class called Yesteryear, which was, I don't even know what Yesteryear? we, because we just watched movies. So I don't really know what the class was supposed to be teaching us. It was just any movie available on it was rental. Kind of like, I guess like pop culture history. Okay. Um, but we did look at Animal House and that was awkward to watch that with, yeah. Uh, it was Mrs. Harrity's class, and she 
It felt like she was like eighty then. Right. She when I went forty two. When I <laughs> when I went to my reunion last year, uh-huh. I ran into her. Uh-huh. She looked the exact same age. Oh wow. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened there. Uh but yeah, we watched it in pieces. So we watched you know, like 30 minutes at a time. Right. So it probably took four classes to watch this. And, and, uh, and I fell in love with it. So of course, working at Suncoast, I was able to have access to that movie. Buy a copy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and watched it again, like all the way through. And it was great with, uh, some of my pals, we went through all the Bill Murray movies and Aykroyd and and the Belushi stuff. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was. I loved it back then, and and it's interesting to see how the perspective on it has changed over time. Mm. And uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get there. Just hold before we get to that. So you'd say there was an evolution in your, not necessarily in my point of view, but in society's point of view. And mm. that's this is not a movie. It's so un PC now. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, but let's talk about what was happening, you know, leading up to this movie. So this is the, the full title, which we haven't actually said, is National Lampoon's Animal House. This mm. is the first uh, film production of uh, the National Lampoon Company. Mm-hmm. So it started as the Harvard Lampoon at uh, Harvard College. What's that place called? Uh, Harvard State. Harvard State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, it was started by Henry Beard and Doug Kenny and a whole group of writers and performers and intellects. And it was a satirical magazine that they, they then morphed into once they graduated from Harvard. Uh, it quickly grew. It was, it, was, it was kind of a great magazine. I mean, again, it's, it's not something that you could really do today. Mm. Right. A lot of that kind of humor is it's, you know, making fun of people and making fun of things and ideals. And yeah, um, I think Mad Magazine also kind of tapped into that, but not as extreme as National Lampoon. Yeah. But they they kind of went for extremes, things you don't say in polite society. Yeah. Think the, the jokes you don't make uh, out loud. Yeah. You know, the, the things you might say to your buddy. Um, but of course, just also with abs- with a tinge of absurdism and extreme, you know, kind of perspective. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely always turning heads, and yeah, it's a counterculture. Yeah. You know, it did it to, to get a reaction out of you. Yeah. Um, the that famous cover with <laughs> somebody pointing a gun at the dog's head that said, "If you don't read this magazine, we'll shoot this dog." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. I mean, it's classic. It's brilliant. It, the humor is brilliant, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it holds up. It's just uh, some of it hasn't aged as well. Of course. Um, the other one I like was the of uh, it was a shot of a Volkswagen floating in the water that said, "If if Ted Kennedy had driven a Volkswagen, he'd be president." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's pretty good. I didn't know, <laughs> but I didn't see that one. But it's kind of driven by a slew of of great comedy writers, uh-huh. um, a lot of which a lot of whom would would split and go to Saturday Night Live and go have big feature, you know, comedy writing careers. Uh, there's a whole list of names. But the, the ones we're going to focus on for this show, the ones involved with this movie, Doug Kenny uh, was a big driving force. He was one of the editors of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt uh, Harold Ramis was another writer who was there at the time. Uh, a young John Hughes was there. Michael O'Donohue was one of the big writers who... 
was the first head writer at, at Saturday Night Live. A lot of the performers, once they migrated out of doing, not out of doing a magazine, but in addition to the magazine, they had a radio show. They had a live show called Lemmings. They had, you know, a live, uh, they had multiple live shows. Uh, and a lot of the performers, Belushi, Ramis, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, all kind of went on to big, huge comedy careers. Another driving force of it is Maddie Simmons, who ended up producing a lot of the National Lampoon movies, uh, was kind of the one trying to keep all these crazy writers streamlined and, and pushing everything through to get you know the product published and out every you know every issue. Uh, Doug Kenny had written a a piece called National Lampoon's High School Yearbook in 1973, which was the true kind of genesis of Animal House. Hmm. So it was it was a satirical yearbook basically that mm-hmm. that actually introduced some of the Animal House characters. Uh, it was Kroger. Dean Wormer, who in this version was a, a, a phys ed teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, Mandy Pepperidge. Hmm. So this was the first kind of iterations of those characters. Okay. And Maddie Simmons uh, and Ivan Reitman, who had produced David Cronenberg's Shivers, hmm. great, great, disgusting movie if you haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had also <laughs> produced one of the National Lampoon's live shows and... They kind of came together and thought this would make a great movie. The yearbook. The yearbook would the yearbook make a great thing. movie. Let's yeah. adapt the yearbook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, and, and a few of the other writers, like Ramis had been kicking around a high school movie. Uh, like that, that idea was in a few of their brains. And they made the decision once the magazine was kind of at the height of its popularity in the early and mid 70s that they're like, they're going to make this movie. And it's funny because Doug Kenny was, he was kind of a wild character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the drug use was, was uh, all over the place at this magazine. And sure. was everywhere. It's the 70s, baby. Yeah. And uh, Kenny was at a point where he was ready to stop. He was just overloaded and needed a break. And as a way to keep him, you know, on the hook, Maddie Simmons said, but we're doing this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was the first, oh, okay, I guess, all right, movie. right, let's do it. Let's give move to movies. F- give him something fresh to work on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they got a few writers together. So Doug Kenny was one. He'd already had the yearbook idea. They mm-hmm. brought in Harold Ramis, who I said was working on the high school idea. And they had their own college experiences Doug Kenny came from uh, went went to Harvard obviously Um, Harold Ramis was at Washington University and they just started kind of channeling their personal experiences Mm -hmm. their college life together Uh, they brought in another writer named Chris Miller who went to Dartmouth and really a lot of the specific uh, ideas in Animal House really came from Chris Miller oh okay like a um, lot of the gags and a lot of the gags, you know, it, the three of them started writing it together. So they would they would split up, write their own segments, and then they would pass them off to each other, and they would rewrite each other. So it was really uh, like a full collaboration. Yeah, you're getting all three voices in the, uh, in each part. Yeah, yeah. Like Ramus, one of <laughs> Ramus's specific things that he did was when the he would go golfing out at towards the 
uh, ROTC guys when, <laughs> when they were doing their thing, and uh-huh. and that that part of the movie is specifically from him. That's right. They would get stoned and go out there and just hit <laughs> golf balls at the ROTC. <laughs> okay. Um, but a lot of the characters uh, came from uh, straight from Chris Miller, like from his frat. Right. Uh, specific, like like he knew D Day. Yeah, he had a D-Day Otter. Not, you know, right? yeah, like these were his friends. Yeah, so he's those, just recreating them. Yeah. <laughs> in the script. Yeah, so they um, so they're off, kind of writing everything together. Maddie Simmons is trying to you know start on the production, you know, pre production of the movie and and working on the casting side, which was a huge part of it. Yeah. So once the script is at a readable point which was really a 110 page treatment <laughs> maddie simmons starts pitching the idea to the studios uh universal kind of latches onto it he pitched it to sean daniel who i think we mentioned back in the dazed and confused episode back in year one in the archives www.reconcinemation.com uh he championed dazed and confused as well later on but sean daniel and tom mount were the executives that really saw the potential in uh, in the film, mm-hmm. they helped Maddie kind of pitch it again to the head of Universal, which was Ned Tannen at the time, who was an old school guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, really didn't like the humor, didn't find it funny, mm-hmm. really didn't like the script, but knew that there was something there. Yeah, uh, he had them do nine rewrites. Wow. And over time, well, the script, the original script was really wild and it was not, I mean, they wouldn't have been able, they couldn't have done it. It was, there was it's rape involved. There yeah. was a lot of vomiting and bodily stuff going on. It was, it was just crazy. Right, right. Uh, so they kind of kept toning it down and down and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Maddie Simmons was a big part of that to uh, reel it back in to make it so like an audience could actually like, comprehend what the hell's going on <laughs> right i could see why tannen like wouldn't like it but could see the potential especially as they keep doing these rewrites i mean he knows the national lampoon is getting so much mm-hmm. response there's so much response yeah. to it there's a there's a segment of the population that's responding to this kind of thing so if you can make a film uh along those lines yeah you got you could have something yeah yeah so while this is while they're rewriting and rewriting and rewriting, they they're talking about who's going to be in the movie, and that's what's really exciting uh, the studio about it. The original cast was going to was Chevy Chase as Otter. Uh, they were they wanted Aykroyd for D Day, mm-hmm. and of course Belushi for Bluto. That's kind of a huge lineup. Um, but uh, and like wasn't even Ramos supposed to be in it too? Yeah, Ramos was going to be Boone. Oh, okay. Uh, eh. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, that he they thought he was he was he looked too old. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was the original cast that that you know they weren't officially cast, but that's who they had in mind. And and a uh, couple complications along the way. I mean, Chevy Chase had left Saturday Night Live by this point. Mm-hmm. Um. And let's talk about Saturday Night Live because by this point, by the time they start shooting this movie in the fall of '77. Saturday Night Live is huge. They're in season three, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, very popular. Uh, Chevy Chase was the first star out of it. Yeah. And uh, he was fielding big movie offers. So he was weighing this and did he want to do this and keep, you know, stay kind of like tied in with the 
National Lampoon's and Saturday Night Live World, or another offer he had was a movie called Foul Play with Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. And I think he saw that that was, that was a movie that could make him a real A-list leading man mm-hmm. outside of TV. So he opted to do that. And then Lorne Michaels let Belushi do the movie, but he was not going to let Belushi and Dan Aykroyd both go do the movie at the same time. Uh, he couldn't lose both of them. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, they're they're essentially the leads of SNL at the time. Yeah. And there's no way he's going to let both of them go do a movie right in the beginning of season three. Right. So they opted to kind of re-look at how they're casting. And they started casting for unknowns and, you know, younger unknown actors. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite of all these, of all these uh, characters? Uh, of all the characters, yeah. I mean, I probably, it's probably Boone. Boone, I, wow. I kind of just like his. Uh, I like his style. He's just yeah. it's sort of. He's like, I don't know. Because uh, he's he's sort of just like a fast talking and just the the most sarcastic and easily I don't know he's just a little bit more the the comedian but part of the part of the gang and not really too too crazy <laughs> he's not a yeah. complete psycho yeah I yeah. mean he he was one of the golfers though in the yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Boone, Boone and Otter so yeah. yeah like Boone and Otter the Ramus stand-ins you know I don't know like a little Boone seems a little more uh, cerebral. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think he is. I'm not like a, a huge Bluto fan. I mean, Bluto's fine, but and like, I wish we saw a little more of D Day and like because D Day yeah. is just this weird guy. Yeah, like, yeah, that's part of it. What about you? Like, who's who's your guy? I don't. Yeah, I like D Day a lot. Out of the Deltas, my mm-hmm. favorites probably. Yeah, I gotta go D Day. D Day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bluto's the obvious one. Yeah. So. Everybody loves him. He's an, he's so extreme. Yeah, he's he Belushi. A, he's a zero point zero grade point average. <laughs> zero point zero. Really, Dean Wormer is my favorite. But, <laughs> but everyone's so great in it. Like, uh, yeah, all the characters are a lot. Of yeah, fun. I mean, I'm just gonna run down the names real quick. We got uh, Tim Matheson as Otter. Yeah, Peter Riegert as Boone. We have uh, Bruce McGill as D Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Widows as Hoover. Uh, Stephen First as Flounder. Yeah. I love Stephen First yeah. in this. He's, he's so, great. He's so and he, he just passed away a few years ago, didn't he? No, that's not true. Wait. It's not true? I that think is, it is true. That's true. Yeah. I'm thinking of something else. Yeah. I thought you said Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm about to, though. Okay, Kevin Bacon's in this movie. <laughs> uh, Kevin Bacon's one of the Omegas. Uh, Mark Metcalf as Niedermeyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, ooh, why did I just uh, forget the... Marmalard? Marmalard. Greg uh, Marmalard. That was uh, James Doughton. Doughton, yeah. Yeah. I kept saying, I kept thinking Naughton, like David Naughton from American Werewolf in London. Just like that. Different guy. Rhymes. (laughs) Different guy. Um, Yeah, and of course, Tom Hull says Pinto, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a surprising. uh, So they found him, he was like doing Equus on Broadway. Really? So that people were really excited that he was doing the movie. Oh wow! Yeah, was this his first like big role? Or... Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my! Yeah, all these guys. It's their first. Tim Matheson had been in Magnum Force, 
Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of the villains in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, the one of the Dirty Harry movies. The so he had been around a little bit, but you know this was his first real, you know, chance to show his his uh, you know real character mm-hmm. and his charisma. It's 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 interesting these like this group of guys, the Omegas and the Deltas. Um, but like, how hateful is Niedermeyer and Marmalade? Like they're. And if you look at these guys like from a really completely neutral point of view, while they might ha- they all have their own agendas, like you know the the deltas are are like terrible human beings, <laughs> and yeah. The, and the omegas are while are like seem terrible, they're just like snooty elite elite people, but they're not they're not like bad people <laughs> at yeah. all either. Like they're not ca- causing chaos and everything, but they're still p- painted so well as these these like the rival rivals on campus and i just love that like um like mark metcalf like just sells it so so well. good like i hate niedermeyer yeah. and i should i don't know why <laughs> well it's funny because when when john landis is who i didn't mention earlier john landis is brought on to direct who it was coming off of kentucky fried movie mm-hmm. which is a bizarro movie mm-hmm. by the way uh but they thought maddie simmons saw it and thought that he would make a great director for this because their mentality was kind of similar yeah so when Landis comes on, he has them working on the script because there's you have to distinguish like good guys versus bad guys. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that the Deltas are really the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, like throughout. Yeah. There's no that's the funny thing about this. They have no redeeming quality. They they have nothing that's oppressing them. They have nothing that is holding them back from achieving whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're comp- they're they're not contributing to society in any way that's this that's the point of it that, yeah. that's part of the message of the movie of, or of these characters but but for the most part these aren't these are not heroes or anyone worth like paying attention to no <laughs> like they're they, like and there's no real motivating reason why like why they are that they are yeah they just are they're just chaotic forces well and yeah and the deltas or sorry the omegas it's not surprising that they wouldn't want to have anything to do with the Deltas. The Deltas are slobs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, to, the, maniacs. to the worst degree. That's the thing. Like, when Dean's going over their grade point averages, like, they're, that's why you go to college, right? right. Just to learn like, yeah. and get your grade. But, of course, it's part of the system. That's why, that's why we all went to college. <laughs> Definitely. But, it, but you're supposed to go to college to, like, get through it, you know? Like right. You're, and it's part of the the establishment you know like college is a microcosm of the rest of american society mm-hmm. you know in terms of who's in charge and the, the people that are placed in charge corporation government military kind of then they, they shrink it all down to this college level and you still have that like military with niedermeyer and um and warmer is kind of i was basically a nixon stand-in oh yeah absolutely um, and then you have these slobs that they're not really even railing against the establishment. They're just trying to ignore it. They're just trying to do their thing. And then it's the establishment saying, hey, you're supposed to put on a tie. You're supposed to uh, fall in line, get good grades, graduate, get a job. That's the, the basic idea. So then they have something to rebel against, but there's really no reason. There's no real compelling reason why. Their philosophy is non-existent. Yeah. They're just... They're just counterculture to, for counterculture's sake. Well, and they want, you know, the the interest the interesting thing is that they expect to pass and get through college without going to classes, yeah. without passing any tests. Yeah, with you know, like 
you got to work a little bit. Yeah, you <laughs> put a little bit. You could you could give yourself a solid C if you just put in a little bit of effort. But <laughs> but they do such a good job of making you forget all that. Yeah, and, and just be sympathetic towards them. <laughs> um, but it's but this is like the first college gross out movie right i mean this oh is, yeah I mean, yeah we'll get into more of what, yeah what it's birthed but yeah this is something definitely. like has never been seen no um, well this this is such a big part of the comedy revolution of the 70s mm-hmm. that was led by what well, was started by national lampoons and then you know furthered by saturday night live mm-hmm. you know very this is such a different kind of humor than what had been going on prior to this you know you had your your variety shows basically your your you know your laugh-ins and um mm-hmm. you know a lot of shows like that that were just you know gag humor yeah. involving celebrities and just kind of a good time but this gets raunchy and gritty mm-hmm. gritty 70s gritty yep 70s. you thought i'd forget that <laughs> But it's 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 a rough kind of thing. It's not sunny, you know. It's it's it's. Well, they shot it in Oregon, and it's like it's a it's a, a fall in Oregon. Yeah, it's an autumn day every day, and it's just gloomy and gritty yeah. and wet, and they're just doing their thing in their dirty house. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is just such a dirty movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> on so many levels. So many levels. But then it's it's about these guys embracing sex drugs partying and kind of being a free spirit uh, yeah but is that i don't know it's this is a this is a strange one because it doesn't seem like this movie's trying to say anything it's just like a series of gags strung strung along a, a threadbare plot and yeah like which is you know stuff to laugh at you're not really paying attention to the story like so yeah you, you kind of have to let go of uh well this doesn't make sense because a lot of the movie doesn't even really yeah, I mean, a lot of sense. yeah, the the plot is super thin. Yeah, I mean, it's real straightforward. Yeah, so it's a series of gags. It's it's a lot of sketches and and gags and jokes. Yeah, um, which are funny on on their own face. Yeah, yeah. for the most part, depending on the s- subject matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were so many great folks in this. Yeah, well executed. Karen Allen, and then Karen Allen. Yeah, the voice of reason. Karen Allen's. No, so no. this is again her first movie, and you know. Karen Allen, you don't see very often anymore. But when you look at the movies that she did, they're big movies: mm-hmm. uh, Animal House, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Starman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about the fourth Raider, or fourth Indiana Jones. We don't discuss that. I yet. know you got a problem with it yeah. for some reason. For some reason, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely uh, John Vernon, who plays Dean Warmer, love John Vernon. Yeah, great fantastic. character actor. Very often you find him as villains in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of westerns. Uh, brilliant and outlaw Josie Wales and Point Blank. And that voice is just so... Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't can't forget that, that voice. Oh, yeah. He's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... He's great villain. And definitely along the lines of uh, Ted Knight and Caddyshack. Oh, yeah, that yeah. That would follow. The, up, the uptight Dean. Yeah. The lousy Dean. <laughs> <laughs> But obviously the big name in this is John Belushi. He's the the rising star. um, Not even rising. He had risen as far as TV goes. Mm -hmm. But this is his first venture into films Mm -hmm. that he was really... He was really excited to do this movie. He he wanted to be a big star. Sure. He knew... Belushi was... 
was smart uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously with the, the drug situation, there was a problem there, but mm-hmm. he knew uh, what way to drive his career. And he knew that, you know, if he really wanted to be the big star that he knew he could, he could be, he had to get out of TV and into, into features. And this was, he's the poster child of this movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can't, when you think of Animal House, you see John Belushi's face. Yes. <laughs> and he's not even the main, he's not close to the main character. No, he's a supporting character. Yeah. He's not, in, I mean, he's, he's in more than a few scenes, um, but he's not the like central character. He doesn't even have that much dialogue. No. <laughs> and that's what was so engaging about him is he had such a magnetic personality. I mean, he is definitely the center of attention. Like he walks yeah. in a room, he's the guy you're looking at. Yeah, he's he is the star, the lead, the he's the alpha in the house. You yeah. know, yeah, absolutely. There's a story of uh, when Belushi, Belushi, and and Jim, John Belushi and Jim Belushi were basically raised by their grandmother, mm-hmm. and when she died at the funeral, Jim Belushi was a mess and. Uh, he was crying and, and super emotional upset. And John like took him in a slide side room and slapped him around and was like, get yourself together, be a man. Mm-hmm. And then John goes back into the, you know, where, where everyone is. And Jim kind of takes a couple minutes to compose himself and get himself together. He comes out there and John is in the middle of the room bawling <laughs> And everyone surrounding him. Oh, and, my and God. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he knew how to work people like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's John. But he was, you know, as far as he, everyone knows he had a big drug problem. And which affected, you know, how, how things went on Saturday Night Live. But here on this movie, he was, he was sober. He was, you know, really trying to stay under control mm-hmm. and working hard to do that. Uh, and it and it look at how well it worked. He made an iconic comedy character. Mm-hmm. You know, I would definitely put this Bluto up there as far as when you think of movies, you know, of the past, and you, you think of comedies. Like this is one of those faces that I would say Bluto is more popular than the Blues Brothers. Yeah, probably uh, more enduring for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think the further we get away from both movies, Bluto is a little more enduring. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he represents he represents an era. Yeah, but even I, I would think the kids today are not quite focusing on Animal House and Bluto. I don't no. think. I don't think like. I mean, this movie is a movie by Gen by baby boomers for baby boomers mm-hmm. and their kids, which who are the Gen Xers, you know. And we we come after that, and there was it it continued to. It's still permeated, but I it's it continues to fade. I yeah. mean, it's not. I don't well, know if comedy, kids today give a shit about Animal House. Well, especially comedy is so topical. Yeah, or, yeah, it's of its own time. Yeah, most of the time. so no, a lot of kids are you know today are not going to go back to a lot of these old movies. Yeah, um, should they? Should yeah, for some of them. Some have a, a, a. It's good to look at them academically and see what as the. If, as a student of comedy, yeah, you're going to go back to this. This is this is an important piece of, yeah. of comedy and film. Well, I think especially the sense of rebellion that we talked about that, and that's an important piece that I think goes through. I think a lot of people in their college 
time can can relate to that sense of rebellion and and you're out on your own and you want to you know you're you may have a little bit of anti-authority and and in you and and that's the time to sort of get that out sure well yeah it it represents an experience that you if you see this as, as a kid you can kind of look forward to something like this that you eventually you're going to be able to be on your own in this this place and you can do whatever you want um, with it, the, the the deltas take it to an extreme. Sure, I mean, no 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 frat would last on campus. No, even if no. it's the wildest frat, they no. they still play by the rules, you know. Yeah. Uh, today, but it, I think the only thing is, just, this is like rebellion without a sense of without a sense of purpose. Like why? Like they're what are they rebelling against? Like the it doesn't make a lot of sense. Just authority in general. Yeah, which I get it, but like I mean they're they're re- rebellious to be rebellious. Mhm. Right. It's a bit, it's always a middle finger mm-hmm. to the establishment. And, it, which is a fine message. It's it's good to remind kids like to question everything. Yeah. Que- you know, question what what the status quo is and why and what are you going to do about it. So you can just sort of live life and party or you could sort of take up a cause. And you know, this is more that just live freely, live mm-hmm. a more fulfilling life. Well, it's uh, that '60s and '70s mentality, yeah. you know. And it, it really, this is off the top of my head. Like this is one of the only real comedic versions of that mentality. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we we talked about a lot of the free spirit mentality in the Harold and Maude episode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of dramas embrace that free spirit mentality. But this is you know, one of the earlier comedy versions of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is, this was putting it on film, like to, and to go to this extreme, like things that, like you said, this script was originally unfilmable and they had to tone it down. Yeah. Um, But every beat where the deltas are doing stuff, it's almost like they're just doing it to, to be chaotic (laughs) Yeah, and they're enjoying themselves and they don't really care about the consequences. So there's, yeah, there's like a dangerous sort of like, pathway beyond that <laughs> you in college you sort of have that freedom to kind of be this crazy but mm-hmm. there's also a point where you kind of have to stop i mean like the the finale of the movie is there there would have been just re- or they'd be thrown in jail for years over the, the, the stuff they did like, oh my god yeah like the assaults and the yeah the uh, chaos and inciting riots and stuff like that um that's not the point it's not supposed to be realistic but uh you know well, and and they had actually set this movie so that last the finale, the big where everything goes to shit, mm-hmm. takes place on November twenty first, nineteen sixty three. Oh, so they specifically like wanted they, this to be the last period of innocence for this country. Really, this is the last time you could ever do something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah that it's, sense of fun, you know. Yeah, oh. um, before the dark cloud of. Kennedy's assassination and then Vietnam and then the fallout of Vietnam and Nixon and all that would, would happen. So they just want to take a snapshot of that time period. I guess I get that as that makes a lot of sense. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a nice artistic uh, point to put on it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kind of one other actor in this movie that was, a very small part, but the most important part in one way was Donald Sutherland as uh, Professor Dave Jennings. Ah. 
Donald Sutherland is the reason this movie is the the, the real reason this movie got made. <laughs> really? The so Ned Tannen when they were you know going through the whole early process of this movie they knew Belushi was a star but they also knew he was essentially a co-star of this movie. Like if we're gonna if, try and sell this movie we need a name like there has to be some kind of name on it. Mm-hmm. So they got Donald Sutherland who um, John Landis had known. Uh, from so he had been a crew member on some of Sutherland's earlier movies and was a babysitter of Kiefer Sutherland. Oh wow! <laughs> he convinced Donald to come do the movie. He's like, "We'll shoot you out in one day. We'll, you know, we'll." He Sutherland wanted two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The studio countered with twenty thousand. <laughs> wow! But apparently, Sutherland just wanted the cash. Hmm. They offered him. 20,000 plus points on the movie, hmm. which means, you know, percentage of the gross. And, and if the movie was successful, it could be millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Sutherland didn't think that much of the movie. Didn't think it was going to do really anything. Just wanted the cash up front. So he took 25,000 up front and no points on the movie. Oh, wow. And he lost probably about $10 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause this movie, movie made a ton. Yeah. Huge <laughs> hit. I mean, we'll get to that, but, uh, yeah, but they needed his name on there, and it's he's in the trailer too. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they, you would think that he's a big part of this movie, yeah. and he really isn't. No, he's he's in, in two, three, three scenes, scenes maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's great. He's a he's a great, great character. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they shot at the same time he was shooting Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. which is another movie we should maybe take a look at. Maybe, but. Uh, that was shot in San Francisco. This was shot in Oregon, so not a huge, you know, distance there that he could kind of shoot up to Oregon and do these scenes uh, as they. I think they did try to get them all. I don't know if it ended up being one day, mm-hmm. um, in reality, but because uh, there's, you know, these are all in different locations and yeah, for movies and TV you jump around and you can shoot like five locations in one day. For movies, they don't do that quite so much. Yeah, they'll do maybe maybe two maybe two. I'm gonna say three days tops. Yeah, I would. I would agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they shot it at the University of Oregon, and it's funny because the that school was so eager to have somebody film there because they passed on the graduate. Oh, so and then the graduate became a huge hit, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Damn it, that was uh, <laughs> that could have been us on there." So they'd been trying all over the country. Every school turned this movie down. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. They just they hated everything it stood for. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last school they went to was the University of Oregon, <laughs> who was desperate to have a movie. So yeah. it was a match made in heaven. Uh, the Delta House where they shot it was uh, was a former frat. Okay, frat house that had the frat had folded and and the house was just deteriorating oh boy and uh so it was kind of perfect for this because i don't think it looked much different in in real life than it did in the movie yeah it looked condemned like yeah <laughs> it just looked terrible i wonder like watching it I'm like how must that have smelled <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we've all been to big college parties yeah uh they never they didn't smell good no they, especially they're like throwing bottles of wine at the wall and you know like there's just grossness everywhere it's grimy and you know that like the hot they don't clean no so they're cleaning their bed the the what 
Their bedrooms are kind of nice, right? Well, Otters is. Otters, yeah. It feels like he's got, like, the penthouse. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they go upstairs, and it's like, you know, nice. that's where he would bring the, the ladies. Yeah, so right. <laughs> it had to be a nice bachelor pad. Uh, but, yeah, no, gross house. Uh, just, like, all those bodies in there. It's going to be hot. Yeah. And just the 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 the, the, the <laughs> frat parties. Gross. A lot of bad memories coming back for gross Dr. Munchak. <laughs> I was never in a frat, so but I guess that's unfortunately for me. I was in six. You can't do that. Yeah. Six? Sure, yeah. No. Different names. I'd... There's like rules against that. <laughs> brotherhood. You can only pay for your brotherhood to one organization. No. There's entry fees. All right. There's dues. And then you've got friends for life. Brothers. Brothers yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, the Dean Wormer's office was actually the dean's office at that college. Hey, so, nice. And it, it's still there. You can go there right now. You can I'm, go walk right I in. I want to do a tour. I'm going to get there. You often like to go to real movie locations and just burst in. Hey. That's a thing that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You, you should have seen me. I've cool animal house yeah cool I'm all right there yeah just walk right into a meeting mm-hmm. yeah like some kids know. some kids getting expelled and you just burst in yeah taking photos yeah <laughs> cool uh, when the actors were when okay so when they started filming landis and maddie simmons made sure that the deltas and the omegas didn't really associate with each other. Yeah. So they brought the um, the uh, deltas up first, and they were all living in a like a hotel together, and and basically like living the movie, and were partying and and bonding. Yeah. And uh, the omegas came up later, and actors like tried to, you know, approach the omegas, and they were like just shut out. Yeah. So they really did have a divide between the actors to keep that spirit for the movie. Yeah. But when the Omegas were researching, you know, doing their research and partying up there, they ended up going to a frat house one of the first nights they were they were there, and they just kind of strolled into this frat house party. The de- wait, the Deltas did. Sorry, the Deltas, yeah, not the okay, Omegas. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so all these guys they, stroll into an actual frat party. Yeah, it's like James okay. Widows, Bruce McGill, Peter Rieger, uh, Karen Allen. <laughs> yeah. Tim Meadow, Tim Meadows. Did I say Tim Meadows? Tim Meadows. <laughs> Tim Meadows was not in this movie. No, he wasn't. Tim Matheson. Yeah. Uh, and the the frat was not happy to have them. They didn't know who they were. Yeah. They weren't any names at that point. Yeah. Uh, Belushi was not there, and they ended up getting into a fight and like kicked the shit out of the the actors. <laughs> right. And the guys, you know, barely got out of there, and and they were definitely like beaten up. Like Tim Matheson was on the ground getting kicked, and uh, I, uh, James Widows lost a tooth, I think. Something like that, or yeah. chipped a tooth, or yeah, chipped a tooth, and so that's great. They went, they went into, they went into an actual frat, yeah, kind of invaded, pissed everyone off, yep, and then and then got their asses handed, yeah. Cool. But in a way that like brought them together, yeah. that bonded them more than anything to start. Yeah, I mean, in the throughout the movie, you can tell these guys all seem like pals, and like you could tell they seem like they they've been there for a couple of years mm-hmm. and know each other and know their bullshit. And, yeah, yeah, and just do what do their thing. So it totally works. Do that, we do we know what 
what year, like what grade they're in? Like sophomores, juniors? I don't know. Juniors, probably. I yeah. Think, uh... Yeah, because you're right. They have that sense of history. Yeah. And Flounder and Pl- and Pluto. Why did I say that? Pinto. Pinto. <laughs> Flounder and Pinto are the the freshmen. They're the, they're 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 new to the school. And, yeah. And you're kind of. I guess you're kind of seeing it through their eyes a little bit, and yeah. especially in the beginning of the movie. Definitely, yeah, a little bit. That these guys, yeah, these guys sort of run the school or run their, or not run the school, but they, they, they're established. I think they feel like they do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They if they would run the school much differently if they were in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because well, yeah, because Flounder and Pinto, we meet them rushing you know, during rush week, where yeah. that's where the, all the perspectives meet. The, their potential uh, fraternities and uh, get to know them, and then they basically get recruited. So they get, and you know, the the deltas end up recruiting these two kind of losers who aren't mm-hmm. wanted by the omegas. Well, it feels like that's maybe what they do is they kind of they take the outcasts, the, the outcasts, the unwanted, and and that's what makes up their frat. Yeah. These are these aren't these aren't these aren't guys that would fit into the elite. They they would never be able to no. to fit into the status quo of society and fill their role. Um, so this is where they convene in Delta House. Delta. House. We'll we'll get to Delta House later. <laughs> um, so yeah, they there's a connection uh, that's kind of born here between John Landis and and uh, John Belushi. And they would go on to work together in the Blues Brothers, and, and you know did a couple other things together, and a friendship, and and uh, yeah. you know if you watch any of the documentaries on this, you can see the way they interact. That there's a, there's a real bond there, and mm-hmm. Landis is just fascinated with Belushi, and would you know just shout things at Belushi while they were rolling to get him to react. Mm. And you know, like where he's going down the food, the food line in the in the cafeteria, mm-hmm. like Landis is just shouting at him, like he's totally telling him what to take and what to do with it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, he loved Belushi's face and his expressions and his eyebrows. He mm-hmm. thought he could tell a whole story just with his eyebrows, mm-hmm. which he could, and that's part of what you know on Saturday Night Live what made some of his characters so engaging, mm-hmm. like the samurai. Yeah, like he's not. He doesn't communicate yeah. that you can understand him. He does everything with physical, mm-hmm. you know, with his body and his face mm-hmm. um, without words. And uh, and that was, I think, part of what made Belushi such a major, important character in comedy history. That he was, he really helped. I don't know, he was just such a different, he had such a different intensity level and magnetism. Animal magnetism. Animal magnetism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. He, he stands out clearly. Yeah. Um, and obviously inspired uh, a lot of people after him. Mm-hmm. You know, most notably Chris Farley, who mm-hmm. idolized him. Yeah. And there's really not, unfortunately, there's not a lot of Belushi to look at unless you watch, you know, if you have the first four seasons of Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there. But even in mm-hmm. some of those, there's there's chunks of time where he's not in the show as much because he's already branching out trying to do movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you've got this, you've got blues brothers and those are like his two big. He's in, he's in 1941. Oh, 1941. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Spielberg's big, big movie. Yeah. 
but then he does a couple of other movies that aren't hits, uh, Continental Divide and then a movie called Neighbors, which is hmm. another movie he did with Dan Aykroyd. That, have you seen Neighbors? No, I've never seen that. They do a, it's a weird movie. But they do a role reversal where Belushi's the straight man and Aykroyd is the crazy over-the-top one. Oh, and it just uh, does not work. That can't work, no, right? No, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> um, and tonally, it's a weird movie. They didn't get along with John Avildsen, the director, at all. Uh, it was just kind of all you know, downhill. And, and he would go you know, in and out of drugs, which eventually overtook him. Right. And a really sad end to his life. Again, similar to what happened with Farley that we talked about in the Tommy Boy episode. Right. But his impact was was there and it was permanent. Um, you know, helping get Saturday Night Live off the ground and keeping it alive after Chevy Chase abandoned it. Uh, Animal House and Blues Brothers are iconic movies and... You know, next up for him after he passed away would have been uh, was Ghostbusters. Mm. So it would have been really interesting to see had he lived, what what Ghostbusters would have been like. How different a movie would that have been? Yeah, I don't know if it would have been wildly different, mm. but you know, Peter Venkman would have been a, a different, a completely different character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what how he would have approached it. Because he's, he's written so perfectly as as sort of a like Venkman is sort of this uh, he knows what he's doing but he doesn't really care about a lot of mm-hmm. stuff he's just worries about his own thing he's kind of an asshole he's just an asshole and of course that's Bill Murray's bread and butter yeah but what would Belushi add to add yeah. to it and especially since most you know they had a shooting script but they improvised so much and played with it that the the movie just took on a whole different mm-hmm. tone and life of its own. Where would Belushi have gone with the source material? Yeah. Like, oh, man. And just how much fun would they have? And yeah. And I wonder if that movie, I mean, Ghostbusters was huge, mm-hmm. but would it have been even bigger with Belushi? Yeah, maybe. I mean, especially at that point, Bill Murray was a star. Belushi was a bigger star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, everyone knew that next, that big thing was coming that was going to really, like, launch him up. And he wanted to move towards, you know, drama eventually. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, he's a he's a really smart, learned man, like and a, a, a studious actor, and uh, he. Yeah, he's he not. Does, I mean, he's not like a stand-up comic. Like, he's yeah. an actor. He's an actor first. Yeah, and he's very good at comedy. Yeah, and, and um, uh, yeah, who knows what we would have had, and what would have happened to Bill Murray's career, Maybe had he, he not done Ghostbusters. He might, have, he might have Chevy Chase's career. Yeah, I mean, he had done Stripes. He'd done Caddyshack. He'd, yeah. you know, he he done meatballs right. so that was all set yeah. and i think he would have continued to be a leading man mm-hmm. but without without ghostbusters i wonder i, I just you know who knows yeah it, a generation embraced bill murray a younger generation embraced bill murray mm-hmm. uh that that helped him endure into the next phase of his career yeah so uh yeah it would have been interesting if if this movie had ended up with that like mega Lampoon slash SNL cast with if it had ended up with Chevy Chase and Bill Murray in it as like Boone or something and, right. and Belushi and Aykroyd like I don't know this this would have I think this would have been even bigger than it was maybe maybe I don't know but part of it is is the like having a cast that's of unknowns you makes it feel a little more grounded in reality yeah 
instead mm. of just having stars everywhere yeah you have people you're really familiar with yeah i don't know like especially a big ensemble movie like this because you can't because you can't have all stars you know you'd have to still have a lot of mm-hmm. unknowns anyway so then well then you get what then happened you with... get this exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> the movie that was about the caddies that <laughs> yeah. they ended up like such a smaller part yeah they abandoned that storyline almost yeah uh throughout so i don't know it, it that's we have a unique film here and it is of its time and it is of its of the, that type of comedy it's it's interesting to look at i don't know how much i'm like into it though <laughs> yeah well that's well let, let's talk about you know how it the after effect of animal house okay. so yeah there's a lot there's a lot of problem areas in it it's you know yes the movie is funny but when you start breaking it down in mm-hmm. 2019 mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a tough sell it's got you've got <laughs> underage sex yeah you know that's all right <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean underage oh 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 yeah the the cashier woman. yeah uh, or let's just call it statutory uh, rape yeah okay <laughs> I, I completely i thought you were just talking about because there's more sex in the movie than that but, yeah so i'm like what are you talking about they're yeah. all like teens never, <laughs> never mind never mind i'm not defending that uh, yeah. this is clearly made by a bunch of you know i i've always seen this movie made by a bunch of horny young young dudes yeah yeah <laughs> like and which is like horny guys made this movie yeah. there's there's the women have very there's very little character to the women mm-hmm. uh they're talked down to they're you know they're certainly not respected. Yep, they're, they're not real objects. Yeah, exactly. They they're possessed by their boyfriends, yeah. kind of thing. And Karen Allen is the only one with like agency. Well, and I guess Mrs. Warmer too. Like yeah, Mrs. Dean Warmer. She does what she wants, you know. Right, but like, it's all about sex. Yeah, sure, right. I mean, really, all of it. Like everything with the girls is about. It's about sex. Sex. Yeah, yeah. Like so, this is this only is interesting for so long. <laughs> I mean, but it's the whole film. You do have a, you know, a hint of drama with with Katie and Boone mm-hmm. that he's way more into. There's some drama that he's way more into Otter and hanging out with Otter and hanging out with his friends than being with her mm-hmm. and what that drives her to do, which is having the affair with her teacher, Dave Donald, Jennings. That was Donald Sutherland. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine with a great butt shot? Yes, yes. A very surprising butt shot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. comedy gold. Right oh yeah, there. That, if you <laughs> if you forgot about it or you, you hadn't seen it for the first time, it's, yeah, it's like what? And it was that was really cool too that Donald Sutherland, and you know he wanted Karen Allen, who's going to be walking around naked basically, mm-hmm. to feel comfortable. So he was going to do the same thing. That's cool. And that like put everybody at ease and helped her kind of get through that. She was really young, yeah. and it's hard, you know, your first big first movie, movie to like be doing nudity yeah and this movie four guys by guys yeah everywhere you know just probably wasn't always the best for the women on, on set. no um but it it has that gross out humor it's it like again like some of those gags work just just because they're funny like just uh bluto walking down and grabbing the guitar and just smashing from, it from steven bishop steven. the composer yeah, yeah. like and it's just like stop playing your stupid hippie music and get the hell just get yeah. out like i don't know it's it's just those kinds of things it's it's a violent mo- moment moment and 
but it's I don't know. Oh yeah, just, but that's funny. I but mean, the way Belushi does that physical humor, yeah. it's just funny. It's just, just a funny smashes bit. Smashes it to like pieces. Yeah, you know? and then hands it back to him. Yeah. Like, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, I mean, it's just it's kind of just a wild movie. It just feels like this is gonna come out wrong, but like immature mm-hmm. boys making a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And just getting it, not that they're immature, but getting that part of themselves out, mm-hmm. out of their system. Yeah. Well, the, the, I think what's pr- problematic is like, this is the first one to do that. And it's sort of inspired another generation to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. The gross out sort of, you know, male sexist kind of humor. And, and that's fine. But I mean, geez, it's like, th- these are movies more for like 14 year old boy. They, this inspired like, movies for like 14 to 18 yeah. year old boys like yeah yeah and that's it like they're not they're not really great <laughs> i don't know if um you know we like i like the movie i'll yeah, probably I'm, always like the movie i like the movie i guess i like watching john belushi i like watching yeah. you know i think tim matheson all albeit a complete womanizer mm-hmm. uh i like his charm i love dean wormer that's unrelated to the the deltas but <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no there's a lot, it's a lot of great actors the characters are charming their things are good it's good it's fine it's it's fine but does it, it but has its place does a a young teenager from 2019 would they have anything to hook on to in this movie i mean a, not a little bit but not yeah you know it it seems a little more of a time capsule in terms I, I of think... stylistically and all of that i don't know Maybe this ages me, but I, I feel like they would more of them would be offended by it. Uh, maybe in, to, in today's mentality than than would embrace it necessarily. Yeah, because I think, and the further we get away from it, the more it's going to seem like a really alien kind of thing. Like this is this is unacceptable behavior, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was on. And the thing is, it was unacceptable then, but. It, everything that kind of stuff always had a pass you knew if like a guy was like doing things he shouldn't do or and all that and like they kind of just get away with it you yeah know, things like that i mean was it otter that had the choice though not to sleep with what's her face wasn't she passed out like he he the devil no the, that was uh or, pinto or pinto yeah pinto yeah like so he's with he's with the cashier girl and then she passes out drunk yeah and then he has the devil and the angel appear on his shoulder and like really explicitly telling him what he should or shouldn't do, mm-hmm. and like he makes he makes the appropriate choice. Yeah, but it's but, like he really battled with himself there. Like, and you'd never have had a scene like that before on film. Yeah, like bl- that blatant. Yeah, effort, effort. All yeah, that. like, and it's just like Jesus. Yeah, like, is that really like the battle? Like, is that how is that how extreme it gets? Yeah, to make that kind of choice. Yeah, I don't know. Um. But at least there, at least there was something like that. At least like a character was showing like, maybe I shouldn't do every, just follow every impulse. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should do something that makes you know, the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Not, nothing criminal. <laughs> the the moral thing to do. But that's like the one instance I think of anything that like, where the the consequences were thought of before mm-hmm. before they were pulled off. Oh yeah, for, there's definitely know. no thought of consequences. It's just for any other action. Yeah, but, they're living like a free life. Yeah, and it's funny because you know we see in the in the '90s and the 2000s these movies about sort of like uptight 
like men just maybe aimless but also part of society and then they meet that that manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. that shows him like life can be more free-spirited life can be uh fun you know you embrace embrace everything go scream on top of a train dye Mm -hmm. your hair go just be free but like these guys they're their own manic pixie dream girls but they don't have any perspective (laughs) like they they're just they're just like throwing bacchanalias and and doing whatever they want it's well there's no there's no arc to the characters either no they don't grow or change no one grows or changes at all yeah you're right um and I guess, the, but that's not really the point of right. the movie. But I don't think that makes it necessarily more entertaining or tolerable. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what am I just watching? Like, I could just be watching a bunch of like home movies of people doing shitty things. Yeah. I guess you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, like, yeah, I, I like it. I think this movie is interesting for when it was made and and what it set in motion. Yeah, I mean, because uh, without this, you wouldn't have got Porky's. Yeah, Porky's. No, <laughs> I mean, you gotta have Porky's. Gotta got Porky's. Revenge of the Nerds. You watch too. Porky's once a week, mm-hmm. right? I, well, I do. I do all of them throughout the week. Okay, so like every I, week. Yeah, so I start with one and I continue through the sequels, mm-hmm. and then I just restart. Yeah, so. like when you walk home, you open the door and you, I, I gotta have Porky's. <laughs> I gotta have Porky's. <laughs> I bought a multi DVD player just so it's always in the tray. Mm-hmm. Each one I can just call it first the Porky Player. Somewhere. The Porky, it, yeah, you saw my signage. <laughs> yeah. the, the Porky Player. <laughs> Munchak's Porky Player. You have an entire room, a screening room, <laughs> dedicated just to the Porkies. Yeah, franchise. no other, no other movie can play in there. Yeah, it's it's shocking that that hasn't come back, right? No, it's not. <laughs> no one wants to see this. Um, um, but you, there's other movies too, like you know, Police Academy. I feel like is a franchise that is has a tie to this. Oh, yeah, in tone, so spiritual. Yeah, the National Lampoon mentality for sure. Yeah, like and that's a fun series, isn't it? Police Academy. <laughs> I have fun a, with them. It's fine. It's fun. I haven't watched a Police Academy movie in a long time. I think like you know the the Gutenberg or the the Guten classics. Those are the those are the real ones. Yeah. After after he leaves, then it's. But it's so weird that these that just think about it. Like they're trying to be cops. They're at a police, and they're sort of like giving the middle finger to the establishment of, yeah. of law and order. It's yeah. so weird. Like it's, it's very bizarre. He's the rebel cop, but yeah. like just like issuing the rules and doing whatever he wants. Like, yeah. Yeah. Get him. Like what? Yeah. Is that bananas? And that one, you know, that one has some sexism issues for sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's not as, it's a, it's more toned down than Animal House. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I think these... I was, as a kid, I was a little bit afraid of Animal House. Yeah. Well, it's a little more extreme. It's a little more. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's a little scary. <laughs> if you didn't know what college was and you're like, is this what college is? Yeah. <laughs> Do I have to join that frat? That's why I went to a school with like a hundred people. But uh, yeah, and and even like as far as like American Pie kind of has tones of Animal House in it. Sure. Um, Well, Revenge of the Nerds too. mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, just wait, just two, just Revenge of the Nerds (laughs) too. I said I meant as well, Revenge (laughs) of the Nerds as well. Um, And that those movies have their own problems. I mean. All these 80s gross-out comedies are all very problematic in very specific ways. Mm-hmm. And I, they're interesting to look at, but they don't endure. I don't think people look fondly back at 
Revenge of the Nerds necessarily. No, no. I mean, Police Academy was a joke while it was a still a series being while the franchise was going. You Yet know, they like, made eight of them. Yeah, at least. And it was a joke by the time you hit five. Yeah, like and uh, but people still watched them. People went to them. I, um, yeah. But then yeah, I think it's like it sets the stage for what the '90s were, and then you get you, you get your old schools and your. Um, PCU, mm-hmm. which was weird, PCU, because, yeah, which is interesting because it sort of makes fun of the sort of the the lefty side mm-hmm. of of college, and yeah. it's just sort of like do your thing, but you know you don't have to care about care about these these new politically correct issues, yeah. and stuff like that, it's yeah, big, like like libertarianism, like college life, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. but still with a big fu kind of a thing. I don't know. Um, and, you know, National Lampoon's had Van Wilder. I mean, yeah, sure did. Van Wilder and Van Wilder too. Rise of Tosh, Tosh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tim Matheson uh, makes an appearance in Van Wilder. Does he? Yeah, I forget. He's I saw it his dad. Oh, okay. And it's like he's very much Otter. Oh yeah. You know, like you could see Van Wilder is the son of Otter. I see. I I kind of like Van Wilder. Van Wilder's okay. It's, it's pretty good. I don't know about part two. I didn't see Rise of Tosh with uh, who was Tosh? Who played uh, Tosh? I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> cool. Cal Penn. <laughs> yes. It's Cal Penn, excuse me. Um, from the Obama administration? Yes. That Cal Penn? Yeah, the one who was at the White House. Uh-uh. Um, but this, do you think this movie like ruined the reputation of all fraternities? I think it or or I don't know shed a certain light on it. I think like, it sheds a certain light on it, and maybe in a negative way. Yeah, uh, I don't know what fraternities how they were perceived back then. I didn't really look into this movie's effect on that, but I think well, it gave it gave a, a wrong impression. I think of of most of Greek life. They're either like here all fraternities. This is written in stone. All fraternities are either like. The Omegas, mm-hmm. or sorry, the Deltas, or the Skulls. <laughs> One or the other. Right, right. They're right. party maniacs or they're a cult. They're a secret. Everyone knows cult. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all fraternities. Yeah. Everyone. Um, but what, one of the biggest things of that came out of this movie is the people that came out of it and the doors that were open. Yeah. This obviously exploded National Lampoons, who just in creative changes didn't end up surviving mm-hmm. um you know it, it was a tough it was a tough uh, company to run and i think the head editors there would not last very long because they would just get creatively tapped out mm-hmm. and by the by the mid 80s they were their run was kind of over mm-hmm. but uh you know maddie simmons had a big career as a producer Her- harold ramus uh mm-hmm. you know came out of this and moving on to vacation and stripes and obviously he had a huge career yep uh, obviously did a lot for Belushi. Uh, John Landis went on to make some of the biggest comedies of the 80s. Yep. Um, you know, as a human, I'm not so sure about him. Right, There's right. a lot of bad stories. Right, right. Uh, everyone knows The Twilight Zone. Uh, we talked a little bit about that in Bad News Bears. But, yeah. um, you know, a lot of that, really almost all of that falls on John Landis's head. And that's mm-hmm. a terrible, terrible thing. Yes. Um, prior to that, was making some great comedies, a lot of stuff with Eddie Murphy, Thriller, the Thriller video. Thriller Come video. on, fantastic! Um, and then just giving the opportunity for 
kind of an av with Belushi kind of punching through with this movie created the the avenue for Saturday Night Live performers that that it can be done. Yes, you know you can make that switch because Chevy hadn't done it. Mm. You know he he was the big star of season one and was a huge personality, but didn't really have a hit movie to follow that up with mm-hmm. or a show that he was supposed to do that never ended up happening. Mm. So he was kind of like floating out there waiting for something to hit. Meantime, Belushi kind of beat him to the punch. Yeah. He snuck in there. Yeah. Hmm. And then Chevy obviously eventually did have those hits, yeah. but, uh, but Belushi was kind of first. Yeah. It's just interesting time timing. Yeah. Um, they talked about doing sequels, you know, every so often it kept, it kept coming up. Mm-hmm. Obviously that time has passed, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they would try to write something. Maddie Simmons was stayed involved with it and, and the studio would come to him and say, they're, they're ready to do it. They're ready to do an animal house sequel. And, and, you know, how would that be done? Especially after Belushi passes away, yeah. how do you do it? How do you do it without him? And they had, you know, a version that was, you know, a couple of years later. And then they had another version that was further down the road and where they're kind of reuniting to head back to to the school for Dean Wormer's retirement ceremony, <laughs> where their whole goal is to, like, ruin his retirement ceremony. <laughs> These assholes. Yeah. <laughs> and there was always some kind of out of why Bluto wasn't there. Sure, yeah. Um, they did make a television series called Delta House. Delta House. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen it. They wanted to get as many of the actors uh, on that as possible. They only ended up with about four or five. But you had Dean Wormer. Right? You had Dean Wormer. You had... Uh, you had uh, Flounder. Flounder. You had D-Day. Mm-hmm. Hoover. Yep. And I think that was it. That could be right. Yeah. yeah. And then you had Bluto's like younger brother. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Who was there? Was you know basically Bluto? Another, Have you seen that? Uh, Josh Mostel playing uh-uh. Bluto. Uh, it was, his name wasn't Bluto, but yeah. uh, the Bluto stand-in. Yeah, I mean it's all it's on YouTube. You can is it? Yeah, yeah you can watch it. it. It's it's a it's an early '80s sitcom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very it, it, like Charles in Charge ish. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, it's not a studio audience show, but it's like the tone is silly and and it just doesn't have any of what made the movie work so well mm. uh and it only lasted 13 episodes uh i know there are, there are much worse shows out that were out there at the time but they kept uh i think it was i want to say it was abc that it aired on mm-hmm. kept moving its time slot oh. and anytime you do that to a show it's yeah. it's doomed yeah because nobody knows when it's when it's going to be on yeah don't know when to find it yeah can't keep an audience uh, sorry, Dead Delta in the House. Water. Oh man, yeah, yeah. The geez, well, that came out. That came out in January of '79. So yeah, right after. So this. they did kind of jump on it quickly, but yeah, um, didn't didn't make it. Hmm. Uh, should we talk a little box office? I mean, we mentioned how successful the movie was. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did it do? It's funny because it it cost almost nothing. They had a three million dollar budget. Look at that. Like they were, you know, really. Uh, squandering to get to piece things together you know the, on big movies normally you have certain a certain way you do things and and they would to cut the budget they would just cut a lot of that out and sharing hotel rooms and 
you know, not having directors, monitors and stuff like equipment that you'd normally have. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Deborah Nadulman, the costume designer, is the wife of John Landis, like doing everything herself. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She doesn't have a big team. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole time they, they were making the movie, they, they were had a feeling it was going to be a hit. They knew they had something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody expected it was going to do the numbers it did. Uh, it uh, was released on July 28th, 1978, where we're floating right around that date hey, right now. Happy anniversary. Uh, the domestic run was $120 million. That's crazy. It's crazy. In 78? That's uh, the number two movie of 1978. Number two? What yeah. was number one? Grease. Grease. And uh, another school movie. <laughs> the classic tale. <laughs> it slid there right between Grease and... And Superman. Oh, wow. So Animal House did better than uh, the original Superman movie. Wow. Uh, the overall, the lifetime run was about $142 million. Oh, different re-releases out in theaters? Yeah. And I don't think that factors in... Yeah, that doesn't factor in, like, merchandise. Because hmm. just on posters alone and... <laughs> Like shirts and sweaters, oh, like God, I can't even imagine the licensing. Yeah, so much money. But I think that factors in, you know, home video through the like video rentals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this was number two of seventy-eight. This is number seven movie of the nineteen seventies. Wow, of the whole decade. Of the whole decade, this is number seven. Holy smokes! <laughs> so, you know, there's. A lot of huge movies came out of that, you know, Star Wars and Jaws and The Godfather. And and this is right up there with them. That's huge. You kind of forget. I think it's kind of forgotten how how big this movie was. Hmm. Um, it's the number one National Lampoon movie of all their vacation movies and, and everything else they put out. Mm-hmm. Um, number two of the SNL alumni movies. Wow. You know what number one was? Uh, oh. Don't cheat. I see you with your... What? Your eye, your eye watch. Does this mean... You're pressing does buttons. Does this mean someone from SNL mm-hmm. was a star of a movie? Yes. Their first movie or any movie? Uh, any movie. It's got to be Ghostbusters, right? No. Oh. Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, of yeah. course. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Oh, that, that was a huge hit. Yeah, so huh. you know, Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph there, and you get Belushi here. Shit. Um, and this was uh, put in the Library of Congress uh, in 2001. Very important uh, <laughs> film. So if when the world's destroyed, there's a vault with all the Library of Congress uh, yes. films, and this will survive. Good. <laughs> okay, we need that. Oh, excuse me. I had a late night. Well, it is a late. It's late at night right now. I know. Yeah. I haven't slept in seventy seven hours, <laughs> and I'm 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 up in my tower surveying everything. Mm. And it's dark. When it's dark, I don't see anything. I usually like I'll take the helicopter home mm-hmm. after we wrap. You stay up in the tower, mm-hmm. and just with binoculars, you're just yeah. scanning. Just scanning. Like everybody's wrapped. All the productions are shut down for the night. Yeah. But you gotta maintain. Like we have a security force, but I don't trust them. I yeah, have to, I have to do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, tired. The, you call them the Delta Force, <laughs> stalking the lot. Delta Force. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Ooh, let me um, just wake up. Okay. All right. All right. I'm here. 
the uh, critics had mixed reviews on the movie. They had a lot of issues with the content, but everybody knew that Belushi was a star. They loved him, loved his performance. Yep. Uh, couldn't speak more highly of him mm-hmm. uh, as a performer. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, we talked about whether that lasted through 2019. Belushi? Yeah. The love of Belushi? Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know... I think he's, he's, his charm is still there. Yeah, I mean, it'll be our generation and maybe... Probably we'll be the last generation to really appreciate him in a yeah. mainstream way. It's, you know, he but for three three different generations of people to, to embrace him for that limited amount of time he was with us, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't... Uh, you can't deny that kind of legacy. Yeah. Yeah. What could have been? Mm-hmm. What could have been? Uh, so I don't know. Would you uh, Would you recommend this as a rewatch? As a rewatch? I mean, I think if, you, if you've seen it before and it's been a while, go see it again to, just to really just to see how you feel about it. <laughs> like, if you liked it at any point, watch it again if it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Like, I've, like, so, like, watching it again, it's like, I don't, if I really want to sit down and watch something I'm like to laugh at, this is this is gonna be like way down the list of like what I'd pop in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'll watch if it if it's on, I guess maybe or something. But mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, you know, it'd be great with Animal House right now. Like, yeah, it's funny, but it, I don't know. I think there are people that feel that way though. That I'm feel sure there like, are. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm, you know, I. This is just me. You know, I don't. For me, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, to to really watch it again. Like, there's better and funnier things that that'll tickle my funny bone. Yeah. In a different way. Um, but that's all. You know, just there's been it's been 35 years since this. No, it's been 40 years since this movie came out. There's lots of comedy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this continues to go lower and lower on the list. Right. Depends on the mood. Depends on who. I probably would certainly not watch it just by myself. It'd probably be more of a fun group activity. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I don't think. I think you should walk. Come down from the tower. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go to your local fraternity. Okay. Just walk in with the VHS copy. And say, guys, pop it in. Where's your VCR? Yeah. Let's have a screening. Yeah. Get the popcorn going. But I, you know, but if you don't, if you. You're not missing anything if you never see it again. Honestly, if you if if you don't if you never see this movie again, you're fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, I don't think you gain anything out of rewatching it multiple times. I think you know yeah. once you've seen it, you you've seen it. Yeah. Um. I think if you're interested in you know the history of of comedy films, this is a must see. Sure. Yeah. That's up. There. Uh, but you have to. I, I think it needs to be acknowledge that it's a product of its time yeah no yeah that and we keep we keep running across this on the films we review mm-hmm. you know it's just we realize like we are viewing it from a different perspective and things change and yeah but some of them don't i mean i think like vacation is not that way yeah. i don't think ghostbusters is that way mm-hmm. um but this is very much of a 1970s mentality yeah again um, from by boomers for boomers right like I, I think I, I agree. I think our generation is, you know, the last that really like will embrace it. Yeah. Um, it's going to, as time goes by, it's going to be more and more forgotten. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, 
you know, that doesn't lower the quality of it. It's just yeah. it, it, people's attention are so shift, shifted so far away from it. Yeah, things society's changing, and this this did its job, and that's that's good. So yeah. from an academic sense, yeah, definitely keep keep it in mind. But I don't know. I don't know if a young crowd would would find it funny. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think so. Not really. I mean, I have friends that love love it still. Still, they watch it yeah. all the time. Not watch it all the time, but <laughs> love it every time they they do watch okay. it. So it's good to be passionate about things. Yeah, but I don't. But again, that's our generation. That's not. Um, that's not the younger crowd now. I think there's certain you know certain gags that kids would find funny for sure. Sure, there's actual you know just a lot of the physical comedies. Mm-hmm. Just things are funny, you know. But I do think like some of them would see the the omegas or sorry the the deltas as as jerks, you know. Yeah, they're terrible. There's no motivating, redeeming quality to any of them. So I vote Dean Wormer all the way. Yeah, <laughs> Dean Wormer and Judge Smales, they'd be uh, they'd be on my team for I, sure. I think it is. I just don't understand why why they why they rebel. I don't. I just don't get why. I don't get it. And I guess that's where like I'm just like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. And again, it's not the point of the movie. There's no message in the movie other than. A middle finger to mm-hmm. the establishment, but but why? What what's what's really what's so bad about? Well, they're not gaining anything. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I I don't know. I guess the, I think that's probably what the movie must lack to make it to elevate it to be. I don't know something more than it is. It you know it's not if it's not really saying that much. It is just a couple of guys filming like their fantasies about sex and drugs and partying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking back to when they they chose to go to school and, you know, wanted to say screw you to the elite. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like you guys went to Harvard and Dartmouth and yeah. like you, you're smart people <laughs> and you're sort of like against raging against the machine mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you, you perpetuate. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. That all being said, you you have to respect its place in history and and sure. the impact that it made and the careers that it launched and and everything that kind of followed after that. For sure, I yeah. mean, without Harold Ramis being a big you know a big part of the comedy world, you wouldn't have Judd Apatow and you you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, he just wouldn't exist. Yeah, like not not would have never been born yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it uh, was a huge movie, uh, a major impact, and uh, sure, and uh, and that's National Lampoon's Animal House. So good stuff. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have. To, I'm glad it was never ruined by a sequel or anything like that. Yeah, I think that was the best best for business was oh, to leave it alone. But we got great things like uh, other college movies mm-hmm. know, that came that this inspired endless college movies. Monst- yeah. Monsters University. Oh, direct Just correlation. Thing, you know? uh, real, Nash- real genius. Real genius. Yes. Real genius is kind of in that vein. Yeah. College definitely. seemed hard <laughs> when I was a kid. Sorry, there goes my phone. We might have some prowlers on this a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we're here at Comic Con and you're <laughs> yeah. getting the alert. Call, yeah. call the Delta call, Force. Yeah, I'm going to call them. Um, but like real genius, great movie. We should cover that sometime. That's uh, I mean Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, right? Yeah. Big same vein, same thing. There's a lot of spiritual ties to Animal House, and mm-hmm. and whether whether Animal House itself 
uh, holds up or not, you you have to realize the impact that that it did that yeah. it had. We wouldn't have had old school without Animal House mm-hmm. at all, or new school, uh, the what? sequel to old school. No, yeah, that's a thing. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, thanks Animal House. Thank you National Lampoons. You've uh, you did it. Yeah. And here we are talking about it at Comic Con. And everyone's screaming. You uh, can't yeah. hear it. No, we're so far. We're broadcasting. The, the glass is like seven inches thick. Yeah. But we have we have speakers outside. Basically, if it's like, you know, what we're using is the tank from Star Trek 4 that they transported yeah. the whales in. Yeah. Same tank. Yeah. yeah. The, the Star Trek folks are going crazy. Yeah. Like, well, they're here. It's authentic. I mean, yeah. yeah they're see, right there. Yeah. You see them. Look at all the Spocks down Picard there. Picard is over there. Look at the Picards. Great time here at Comic Con. Oh my god, I love oh, every amazing. year. I love it here. It's so good. And uh, before we go, I, I do just want to plug uh, a bit of research that I did. Oh, okay. This this book, Fat, Drunk, and Stupid: The Inside Story Behind the Making of Animal House, written by Maddie Simmons. Oh, okay. It's a great uh, it's a great look at the movie, and then a little bit beyond about you know what happened with Lampoons and yeah. kind of where their careers went after Animal House. Oh, cool. So, yeah, give check that, it out. Give it a read. Yeah. Local bookstore. Don't get it on Amazon. Yeah. Always support the local businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, um, if you want to rent Animal House, go to Videotech. Vi- see yeah. What, see All, what that's they got. The, your one-stop shop. Love it there. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you for uh, tuning in. We want to thank our, our friends, as usual, Curtis Moore for the poster, and E.K. Wimmer. Check out his uh, podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, kooky. He had some kooky Elvira stuff happening. <laughs> it was It was great. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. Don't um, promise that. Don't. No, there, it's always, always good. You always say it's gonna be good. Can't can't guarantee that. Oh, we sure can. <laughs> we sure can. I disagree. I can't tell you what it's gonna be. Thank God, don't tell them because we argue a lot about what <laughs> <laughs> what it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, but um, if you can check us out on iTunes and give us a, a review and a five star rating. It always uh, helps boost the show when we do that, and it's much appreciated. And check us out on social media, uh, our website, www.reconsinimation.com, <laughs> Reconsinimation Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and all the, the whatever you call those, mm-hmm. Friendster. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the, we got a big Friendster account. Are we, leave, are we done? We're done. I want to go to the floor. Okay. Yeah, you don't like heights. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I sit in my tower every night. Here we are. You have your big fear of heights. Too. Yeah. Special guy. All right. Uh, we'll see you in uh, two weeks for our very next episode. Cool. Bye now. <laughs>